This week, I spoke to Radha Balani, currently the Director of Design and Facilitation at Think Beyond. Radha started out her career as the AU President at Loughborough University and has gone on to work for Bucks, the Football Foundation, Women in Sport and London Sport. Radha shares some of the key moments in her career and how she made some extremely brave and courageous decisions. It was a pleasure speaking to Radha and I could certainly listen to her life lessons all day. Hi Radha, great to have you on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you Gabby. It's a pleasure to be here. Great, and so I'm really excited to talk to you today about your your background. Can you just start off by telling us what what you do at the moment um, and just give us a bit of a background to what your career has been, what your career journey's been to date? Sure thing. So at the moment, I am Director of Design and Facilitation for two different organisations. One is called Beyond Sport and one is called Think Beyond. They are sister organisations, as it were, and Mm. at the heart of them is the role of sport within society to make yeah. a sustainable impact in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals, i.e. to the most pressing challenges of our time. Um, yeah. And I work for both different companies or organisations. So Beyond Sport is actually a charity, the Beyond Sport Foundation, and yeah. Think Beyond is a strategic consultancy. And I guess my role, which has a slightly strange name, which is design and facilitation, really talks to the fact that my job is around coming up with processes, so designing processes and strategies that use techniques like design thinking to unlock how people think, what they feel, what they want for their businesses, for themselves, their NGOs, the world. And then my job is to help sew that together into strategies for our clients, whether that's um, ESPN, Bloomberg, um, one of the Unilever brands, or for clients that are fully from the the sort of sports side of things, um, Commonwealth Games Federation we've worked with, um, the IOC, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And then on the other side of it, on the beyond sports side, I I do a lot of facilitation and that's running workshops that I design um, to help organizations that we are funding with our partners through through, through various funds that we do that we, we call collective impact tools. How do we get different types of NGOs who care about the same thing to work together to be greater than some of their parts? So I do some of that work. I also have a role to be like the front facing side of what we do. And that means I host all of our events broadly. Um, I facilitate and moderate panels. Um, wow. I do our online stuff. So uh, I'm very much sometimes right at the back of the scene with clients and I do the thinking and working with them and then the client manager will take that work away. But equally right on the other end of it, I'm right at the front and I'm the face and the voice of all of our events as well. So it's a really, really varied role. That's what I do now. Uh, How did I get there, I suppose, was your next question, right? Yeah, so obviously it sounds quite incredible actually that the, the varied nature of your role and the different skills you need to do that role. So I'm just interested in how, where did you start out and what got you to this point? How did sure. you know you wanted to do this type of thing? <laughs> I didn't even know this type of thing existed is, is the short answer, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And much like, much like everything in the sports sector, from my experience, 
it is a series of skills that we have deployed in an environment that we care about to make a change that we want to see, right? And so I, I started at Loughborough. Um, I ran to be Athletic Union president there. I was elected AU president there. And in that year, I had the absolute good fortune to work alongside a gentleman called Mr. Rod Thorpe. He was the director of development at the time. And honestly, he treated me like an equal. And I was able to sit next to him in meetings and watch how this exceptional man not never once raised his voice or, I mean, the way he was able to bring people to a consensus just through his demeanor, through the way he prepared um, and the way that he listened was probably when I realized I, I wanted to work in a space where I could use skills like that and, and develop skills like that to help people reach goals, targets, make things happen, create ideas. Um, and, and I, you know, being AU president in Loughborough is, is like the best gig in town, quite frankly. Yeah. Um, you learn so much at such a young age. Um, from there, I got very lucky. I got a telephone call from um, what was then called the British University Sports Association, BUSA. That tells you how old I am. <laughs> no, I remember Buck. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, they called and their marketing and communications manager was being seconded to the to Team GB during Athens and they needed someone to come and cover her. and um, they asked me if I'd be interested and they I started the next week and, and I guess that's lesson number one right give a good account of yourself at all times and people will ask you to do things because they've seen what you're capable of already your interview your audition is done by virtue of them seeing you in action and doing what you do. And I, and I guess that, that lesson has probably been true of my entire career. I spent a um, couple of years at Booster, six months as their marketing and comms manager. And then I um, tried to become their sports program manager. So at the time that meant there were five of us and there were about 50 sports within that were competitive within higher education. We looked after 10 of them, everything from sort of tier seven all the way up to home nations and everything yeah. in between. That's, you know, the event, the competition schedule, the disciplinaries, um, making sure the trophy was there and clean, ironing the <laughs> tablecloth for the presentations, as well as doing the press. It, it's the biggest baptism of fire in, in <laughs> event management, in competition management, and in sports development. Best lesson there, RADA is not good at event management. <laughs> Doesn't like it, can do it, but it's just not a thing that works for me. Um, Great. And actually, you know, that was what I learned. But that's great, isn't yeah. it? Because you need to learn those things, you know, so you're not just pursuing something that's actually right. not right for you. Yeah, it, it, exactly. And, and what I did love was working with the governing bodies to work out how we can develop and grow the sports. And and really, you know, my, I, I, you know, I grew up playing every single sport under the sun. And one of the ones I was most passionate about was playing football. And the job was advertised for the Football Foundation. And I... Um, it was to be part of a brand new team. They were starting for a new grant fund. I applied. It was a, definitely a sideways stroke, backward step in terms of seniority and salary, but I, I wanted to work. So I, I was lucky enough to get that job. And, and my journey from there was I spent seven years at the Football Foundation. So I started as a small grants project manager and I left as um, head of communications and corporate relations. And I guess wow. all of that has really been about working in partnership with people and finding solutions to things together. And, and, and honestly, uh, I think my brain 
in the work environment is exactly the same as is on any field of play. I, I see gaps and I see opportunities. So that's why I played in front of the black four. That's why I was a wicketkeeper. That's why, that's why I was a goalie in hockey, you know? I think yeah, it's, yeah. for me, it's the same thing. It's how I see things visually in front of me and how I find those connections. And, and, I, and I, I just sort of think that's pretty much what I do now more than anything. And the loud voice thing helped because I was pretty loud on the pitch too. <laughs> and, you know, the ability to communicate has been transferable. Um, I, I really enjoyed working in football, but I'd spent seven years at the foundation and that really allowed me to get, really do sport for social change work. Um, I worked in the community side of things, but during that time, the Premier League, which is one of the football foundation's main funders, was going through a significant change itself and it took all of the community work back in-house and away from the foundation. So the last part of my time there was closing down our community programmes and moving them across. And I, as much as I totally love and believe in the work the foundation does, I'm not the person that's going to get overly passionate about facilities and things like that. Um, so it was definitely time for me to move on. The Football Foundation went through five restructures whilst I was there. And I was very lucky every time to um, be promoted through them as opposed to being made redundant. And, you know, by the end of that process, I knew it was time for me to take a break. I'd never had a break in my career. So I took a few months off, um, nice. which was really nice, actually. And in that time, I, um, I, I one of my hobbies uh, around that time was uh, coaching fitness classes before work. So I, I would do, you know, spin classes, body pump classes, circuit classes. I used to teach for various gyms around London. So, I, you know, mm. I, I, I took my few months off, taught, taught a few extra classes, cycled around London a little bit filled out and it was really nice and then um there was a, an opportunity at what was then called the women's sport and fitness foundation now women in sport um and i i, I sort of crossed paths with them various times in my career and um i got we had a conversation they said yep come and take this mat leave cover supposed to be for six months as their head of insights and innovation um and i guess there's a learning there right i'd never really done any insight work i didn't even do a dissertation uh, or a thesis at university because re research wasn't my thing. That's why I did a joint degree. I did sports science and English. Mm -hmm. But innovation absolutely is my thing. And in, in the conversation, actually, what they needed was a head of insight and innovation. They needed someone that understood how to take insight and turn it into innovation. And they had insight managers to do the bit. So I think there's that thing, that well-tried statement of women not applying for jobs that they're not 90 95 to 100 percent suited for. and i you know you look at the title i'm only 50 percent suited for it but actually in reality i was absolutely right for it. um i was at women in sport for a couple of years um and again restructures and changes the changes that were offered to me weren't right for me um in the after the two years i was there so i decided okay um i took a leap of faith and said okay i'm gonna i'm gonna say no they created a role for me to stay and it wasn't the right role, you know, and I said no. And again, it was one of those situations where a phone call comes along from someone I'd worked with for a long time. And this person was, had just taken on the role as chief executive of London sport. Mm -hmm. And um, their job was to bring together the five previous, what were then called CSPs into yeah. one new organization. And he said, Raj, 
will you come and be my director of business development for six months help me do this and I was there for two years and we did awesome stuff honestly it was mm. so exciting to have an opportunity to try and do things differently we we infused technology into the heart of everything that we did we, it, it yeah. was such such a great organization to be part yeah. of in such an early time I love it, it looks yeah, I mean, I see London Sport a lot now and the stuff that they're doing down in London with the technology hub and it feels like it's got a different feel about many of those other mm-hmm. CSPs. It's really energetic, even just yeah. in its comms. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I, I really get that. And that was that was our plan all along. And I think that's why Pete uh, and I have always worked well together through our time at the Football Foundation. He's uh, another lucky man as well. Um, yeah. and, and we'll come full circle with that in a moment but um, you know I think that was that was the that was what drew me to there and that's what always draws me to places am I working with people that make me better at what I do um, and you know we did exciting things but during that one of the exciting things I did was set up a partnership with Beyond Sport whilst I was there and uh, again my paths had crossed with the team at Beyond Sport on and off throughout my career and my passion has always been the role of sport to make a difference in the world, simply because I've seen how, when used well, it's made a difference. And I've seen what it's done for me. Um, and I, I set up a partnership with them. We did some cool stuff together. And one of those things, you know, with the networks you create as you go along, their MD was looking for someone, a mutual friend said, oh, Rada would love that. And they were like, oh, I think she's really happy in her job. And I was like, I am, but I'd really love what you're doing, my dream stuff. <laughs> we had some conversations and a role was created and I joined them in 2017, uh, initially as director of strategy and business development. And then we just moved that to be director of strategy. And actually the, the business said, you know, your skill sets around facilitation, hosting, designing processes and strategies is something really interesting. We want to help, want you to shape your role and some of our business offerings around those skills. So let's change your role to be direct mm. design and facilitation. And, and um, Pete has just recently joined us as our new MD. So that's sort of full circle in my career. So yeah, there you go. That's brilliant. That, that's so fascinating to hear you talk. And I think the thing that stands out is that you followed your heart um, as much as much as your yes there's a head there but actually you haven't just stuck with something because you thought it was the right thing to do it was actually following really what mattered to you and the people um, and the thing yeah. that the partnership working and the people that you work with sound you know so vital so I think what would you say to someone young getting into the sports industry mm-hmm. around when they're looking for a role you know how how do they know it's right um Great question. So I do quite a lot of sort of mentoring, coaching, men, whatever you want to call it, to, to lots of different sort of people yeah. in this industry and others. And there are three things that I make my decisions based on. And these are the three things I, sh- I share with them. Number one, you've got to be doing something you genuinely care about, something that gives you goosebumps and that gets you out of bed in the morning. The second bit is you do something that uses skills that you are already good at you want to be brilliant at i'm less worried about making myself good at the stuff i'm not that good at i want to be fine at the stuff i'm not good at and i want to be exceptional at the stuff i am good at. 
So stuff that focuses in that area and that's going to grow you there. And thirdly, working with people who inspire you, energize you and make you better at what you do. Um, and that, that, those are the three things that I um, always share. And those are the three things that I use when I make my own decisions. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. I wish I'd known that when I was. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And so for you, I think one thing I wanted to pick up on before we go into a bit more about, you know, what shaped your career is the in today's industry, partnership working is obviously huge. Um, but there are so many potential partnerships and you talked about finding opportunities and gaps what how do you make a decision there I'm just interested in who to partner with who to work with because there's mm -hmm. so many opportunities you know sure. is it does it need to be commercial or or not and I because I, I know it's changed so much now and everything is so commercial it needs to be more commercial in the world of sport how do you make those decisions for me it's about values yeah always start with values yeah if an organization has a solid set of values and a set of behaviors that they subscribe to that bring those values to life and that you can see that in what they do if they map what you're doing what we're doing then i know for a start that i'm going to be working with good people yeah and for me you know sometimes when when organizations do their strategies and you, you get their, their vision their values their behavior sometimes it's throwaway and sometimes it's real values at their heart allow you to make the best business decisions you can make because if you've got them right and they are as part of the culture of your business and they are and there are behaviors that you you have as examples that bring them to life and then you use them when you do your annual reviews and you're you're you know you're doing appraisals you know you get you ask those questions then and, and when you're recruiting do you ask questions about values then? Organizations that put values at the heart of their organization recruit brilliant people and therefore make the best part. And that's, that's yeah. always one. Yeah. And if someone's going for a job at an organization, they've read the, the annual, the strategy, the strategy, they've looked at the values, they think they really relate to them. And when they're actually, it could be when they're in that interview process, they can actually ask a bit more from the employer about those values and how they live them out. Definitely. Um, and I think that's yeah. a really good question to ask. Yeah, definitely. No, great. So, so your day-to-day -day role now, I'm just really interested. How, how, what do you actually do? Like just what is yeah. a day in the life? Honestly, it, it changes so much. And, and, and the shift pre-COVID and to now is even yeah. more significant because pre-COVID, I could possibly be anywhere in, I mean, I'm most likely, you're most likely to find me on a plane is the short answer. <laughs> Really? Uh, yeah, you know, really global job. Um, put it like this, in lockdown, it's the longest time I've ever spent in my house in my whole entire life. And I'd never, it, it, it was bonkers. Um, I, so my job could take me from doing an inauguration of a safe space in the largest slum in Asia, in, in Mumbai, for our clients, ESPN, and inaugurating a safe space on which the uh, which programming would take place for a year for that community to help young people stay healthy and stay in education versus going and hosting a global awards show at the top of the One World Trade Center versus running a workshop for 
a massive international federation or a massive brand going full circle to coaching one-on-one with a young leader that's part of the Billie Jean King Young Leaders Programme or the Michael Johnson Young Leaders Programme and me just chatting to them all the way through to me stuffing lanyards to make sure that we're ready to go at event time and everything in between. There's no sort of day in the life, really. But I I think my job has evolved now to be... So I I now don't line manage anyone, which is wonderful. But I I get to coach everyone. I am there across both of our teams, Beyond Sport and Think Beyond. And people use me as design and facilitation in the same way our clients use. So I see myself as a service provider internally as well as externally. Um, and we'll workshop ideas and concepts that the other team is trying to, that members are trying to get towards. Um, or I get brought into projects to help do a theory of change for a client. Um, so my role is so varied. It's never been more domestic than this year, but, but <laughs> normally it would be all over the world running workshops, um, wow. running sessions, meeting clients, you know, work five major major leagues in the US a lot it, wow. that was one of the things that drew me to it as well I'd always had a domestic career and this is an international one now and it's it's marvelous oh that sounds fascinating and so COVID's obviously impacted it do you think with the, the the good news that's coming up do you think you'll be back on the road again in this year or do you think maybe 2022 I think there'll be some this year um but I think much like everyone, we've learned what, which journeys are necessary and which are not, you know? Yeah, and, and I think yeah. that we can be confident about deciding what needs an in-person presence and would gain, gain more than the impact we create on the environment by being there in person versus not. And yeah. what, what's advantageous to do online because we can get a better and bigger audience and reach more people so I I think there will be less travel but I do think it will come to fruition towards the end of the year yeah so have you done a lot of your workshopping now and delivery through online platforms yeah Um, Yeah, I mean I I've delivered so much online and what do you find challenging about that that compared to before when you were in person I'm really physical with the way I run my workshops. I'm all about people moving around the room, using post-it notes, collaborating physically, drawing big pictures, um, looking for the solution by putting things on the wall and seeing it. And that's been hard to do. Yes, there's loads of great tech, but it's tough to use sometimes. Um, So so I found that difficult. Um, I've learned quite quickly how to read energy from screens um and and therefore flex my approach in the same way i might do if i was in a room um but it's also meant we've been able to get a greater diversity of voices in workshops that we wouldn't have been able to have before so you know there have been bonuses yeah yeah that that's really interesting i'd love to know what your how you read a room on 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 zoom yeah i it's honestly it's um i think you can I think I feel people's energy generally. I'm an empath, so I think that's sort of yeah. part of it. Um, and I and I think you can just certainly with smaller groups. I think up to ten people I could probably read. Any more than that, it it will just become a haze. I'm sure. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. And so, in terms of beyond sport and your the organisations that you work for now, what um how has COVID impacted them 
and and what is sure. what's the future looking like for that for those organizations sure. so beyond sport really had convenings and events at the heart of everything that we did and that allowed us to do our advocacy to do our funding and to take that away was obviously significant but the the team were remarkable last year the way that they pivoted so quickly to not only do things that kept us available and relevant but we support a network of over 3,000 organizations globally how, mm. how do we support them and make sure that they felt connected and part of one of the things that we hear the most when people come to our event is how great it is to connect with other like-minded organizations who are going through the same challenges struggles and questions that they have and suddenly they feel a little less alone in what they do so we wanted to create spaces online that would allow that to continue to happen so that was one of the biggest things we did is pivoting to our online audiences yep. and, and changing the way that we delivered things and we got better at that throughout the year so yep. going from something called workshop week which was what it sounds like through to what we did at the end of the year which was beyond sport house which was instead of a week of content it was content over three months done a couple of days each month in two three hour bursts yeah. because people were getting screen fatigued by this. one of the most incredible things that i think beyond sport did last year that i was so privileged to be part of is that we worked in partnership with a number of organizations to bring together a really big fund called the sport for good response yeah. and um, it had the likes of uh, laureus disease Zurich foundation shivas comic relief um etc as part of it. and it brought together a bunch of money that allowed us to get some money out to NGOs from around the world that are using sport for change, just so that they can keep the lights on, you know? Yeah. And then, it, so that was the first part, helping them survive. The next part was that we we also wanted to offer expertise. So we did a series of round tables um, that were sort of centrally facilitated and designed by me. Hey, we curated tables whereby you had an organization that had a specific challenge we brought experts from across sectors from business that they would not not otherwise be able to access and they yeah. go through a discussion process with each in their tables to help them solve their problems so that's what i would call a design thinking roundtable going from problem to solution in in the course of two and a half hours we did a fundraising workshop for these ngos delivered by yeah. fundraising experts and then on top of that six ngos were selected to have one-to-one -one consultancy from myself and a colleague through Think Beyond. These are NGOs that can't afford Think Beyond. We're not there. Yeah. And our job wasn't about making them survive COVID. It was about how do they thrive next three to five years. So, yeah. and the beauty of that for me is I get to do consultancy for brilliant organizations like uh, Slum Soccer in India and a lovely organization called Youth Run NOLA in New Orleans. and. It's weird. This time last year, I was in New Orleans delivering a workshop for the NFL community relations team, and a week later, ten days later, we were in lockdown. Right? Wow. And there you go. Wow. So that's been so a change. Yeah. Think Beyond has changed as well from a consultancy perspective. Yeah. Um, at the beginning, clients and potential clients just said, "Okay, let's pause," and then we showed how we could execute and deliver the same online and actually business is going well and we're bringing in really interesting engaging clients doing wonderful exciting stuff i've had the privilege of working with uk sport over the past year and and we've 
everything I've done for them to include theories of change and full weeks of facilitated workshops to develop strategies, we've been able to do online and it's been wow. great. That's so interesting. And it sounds extremely quite high pressure, quite a high pressure environment, very varied. And I'm interested in how you handle that that pressure from a from a personal perspective do you mm-hmm. it must does it ever become overwhelming obviously you've got used to, to to handling it but I'm interested in what your mechanisms are for for that sure um it's a balance really of thriving from the overwhelm and then it tipping over and it becoming negative stress right yeah and, and I guess this is sort of the, the the key to my entire life really which is owning and tackling and getting help for mental health issues that that process that's been a sort of a 20-year process for me probably been you know I've had mental health conditions for 35 plus years but for the past 20 years I've been working on and and the work never stops and it gets harder and, and you have to do more um when you're ready for it and as a result of that I I now have a much greater sense of um, understanding of myself and my behaviours and what's safe for me, what keeps me well. Um, I have a greater sense of self-inquiry. And so emotions for me are an indication I need to take a look at what's underneath and what's happening and then make a decision. I have a support network that makes that happen. Um, Therapists, et cetera. Uh, I have peer support groups that I go to. I take medication, I have a GP, I recently got a dog and that's just been a game changer. Um, I keep my training up, I'm active and I exercise. I'm learning how to do the meditation thing and be a bit slower. My therapist is desperate for me to continue to do that body work, the breath work, and Mm. those are the biggest game changers. So yes, it is overwhelming. But the other part is, are you working for an organization that understands that and gets support for you? considers that and I and I can say hand on heart that where I work does and and just to bring it to life for you um I took three months off at the end of 2019 the sick leave and I went into a residential treatment center um for eating disorders trauma and mental health um uh, and the business supported me so well through that and in my return to work and you know that's what makes people successful is working in an environment where they can be supported when they're unwell as well as when they're well um so yeah no thanks for for being honest I think it's really important because we actually nowadays we don't have well a lot of people do have their professional persona and their personal persona and keep them separate but that's not going to work um it's actually you are who you are and I think whether we like it or not mental there are going to be more and more mental health issues as we come out of this pandemic and we've and it's all very well saying you've got a mental health support at work but actually do you it's like your values do you live and breathe it are you accepting of them and I think the the fact that you were able to do that just speaks just huge um kudos to the organization that you work for um but yeah I think and I think it's how do we handle pressure like you talked about it because you can just over overwhelm and overload yourself and not actually recognize where you're at and then it all goes wrong and 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 you, you hit you, you may have a breakdown or something and it's actually how do you how do you really look inward and and take a step out and I think that sounds like 
quite amazing what you've what you've where you've got to now um so yeah, I mean, thank the, the short answer is don't do it alone you, yeah you cannot get yourself out of it when you're in it yeah and and yeah. the biggest thing is not do it alone um yeah. and going again full circle if you're working with people that make you better at what you do you're generally working with good people and if you're working with good people they will let you know you know yeah yeah, yeah. They will no, let i love you know. I love that. And no, thank you for that. And so we're now, I just wanted to cover off a couple of things around the future um, mm. of, of the industry, in particular, the one you're in. What do you think is going to change or one major change you think there'll be in the next 10 to 20 years? Big question. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think 10, 12 years ago, we saw this change coming, which is the idea of purpose being central to what people do and businesses needing to have a purpose, sports needing to have a wider purpose and those fusing together. And therefore that's why we've been, Beyond Sport Think Beyond have been doing that for over 12 years now. The next shift is, and we've seen more and more organizations and people come into that space, right? The, the next shift I think is showing impact in line with that purpose for sure. Yeah. But honestly, the biggest thing that we need to be front and facing that will affect sport in the most fundamental way from playing through to how it's funded is going to be climate change. Yeah. You know, that I, I can't see anything other than that, which is the, the biggest challenge that sits at the heart of not just our industry, but every industry, but yeah. the very foundations, and I mean that in the most literal sense sometimes of sport, i.e. in however many years, you're not going to be able to get a cricket oval that isn't flooded 10 times a year, you know? Yeah. yeah. How are we, how are we creating spaces that allow us to safely continue yeah. to play sport without damaging? Yeah. And people have become much more aware of that themselves as athletes and whether they want to travel and carbon footprint. And there's so much. So, fascinating and I think for people looking for jobs and looking to get into the industry it's being cognizant of that and thinking that how that might impact what they're looking to do or how they can embrace that within their work um and and so if you were just I just want to understand if you're recruiting someone now mm. um someone getting into the sector what would what do you look for sure um I am person first in everything I do, um, how they conduct themselves, how, how they, how well they know themselves and have they got the right attitude that I'm person first, really. Um, yeah, that does also translate to CVs though. I don't want CVs with mistakes. I am, I am pedantic with stuff like yeah. that because I yeah. think that's a reflection of who you are. But I also recognize and understand that, that the world isn't equal. And so I, I really like the diversity of entry routes into the sector now that we are getting. That means, you know, young people who are carers who might not have had the opportunity to focus on their education and, and go through. That doesn't mean they don't have the right attitude and they don't have the right uh, temperament. I just they haven't had the opportunity to get the experience. Um, yeah. I think you can teach people skills. I honestly yeah. do. I mean, that's a fact, actually. You know, if we go all the way back to our sports science days, skills are a 
learned experience, right? But there's some stuff. It's the stuff you can't keep that I really um, I care about. Company fit. I care about. Yeah, no, massively. I think that's um, a really great, great uh, philosophy to have. Um, and so, if you were going to give one piece of really sound advice to someone now who's considering applying for a job or taking that next move, what would it be? Um, know yourself. Know what you bring to the company and what you want from the company um, yeah. and recognize it recognize that it's a two-way thing I think I think for me interviews are just and, and I know this is sort of a bit of a hackneyed phrase you know you're interviewing the company as much as they're interviewing you I truly believe that because I've been to interviews before where I've been like oh my goodness this is so wrong for me and I think that that's really important to know, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah, know yourself, get to know yourself. I think I wish I'd done that earlier, I think is what. Yeah. It's only really now that I'm starting to, to really get to grips with that. And I think had I done that earlier, I think I might have, I don't necessarily think I'd have ended in a different place, but I do think I would have had a more fulfilling, engaged journey to this. Yeah, no, I really get that. And I think, you learn don't you you become wiser and you learn from your mistakes more than anything but actually there are some things that you 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 know when I think back to my university days there was no talk of the softer skills or explicitly bringing out how you felt about things or how you do things and and when you go into the working world I feel like weren't necessarily equipped it was just also mm. um it was so task driven and ticking off these things and it was like well actually what what does it mean and 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 i think there's just so much more out there now to support people when they're think considering what they want to do but i think it is still so important to bring it out and to get people to really think why do they want to work yeah. there um right. and so, back yeah. yourself right yeah you have to back yourself that doesn't mean yeah. go in and say you can do this say that you're 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 you know that you can do these things. These are the other things that I'm going to learn and get better at. This is what yeah. I think I can contribute. You know, I certainly didn't back myself all the time. And even now, sometimes I still won't. Um, but also doing the graft underneath it yeah, is, is yeah. a really important part of it. Yeah, definitely back yourself. CEO said to me, my previous role, every time I went to a board meeting, he just said, back yourself. I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I love that. No, thank you. That has been fascinating. I've, there's so much good stuff in there and, and I really thank you for your time. I think that's going to really help a lot of people. Um, anything you want to add just to, to finish? I think I would say that I had no idea, A, that this was my dream job and B, that it existed or was a thing. So yeah. Create your network is the other thing I suppose I didn't talk about. So, you know, I, I am a second generation working class kid that whose parents, you know, came here from other countries as refugees and, and ran a corner shop. So they don't have connections and conversations, but you can create your own. And, and I won't lie, sport is still an old boys club and I don't care what people say it is, but you can infiltrate the club 
if you see someone that is doing a job that you want or you're interested in or you don't understand how they got there get in touch with them and ask them if you can buy them a coffee and just ask them a few questions about their career and grow your own network and then use your network um yeah you know don't don't let the infrastructure stop i think is what yeah. i'd say yeah yeah thank you, yeah. definitely great thank you rada a pleasure pleasure lovely to chat to you too Wow, Rada has been through so much in her career already and done some amazing things. I think it really stood out to me how the power of partnership working, following your gut instinct and building really strong relationships is so important if you are to be fulfilled and in a career that you love. I'm also so excited to hear about the passion that Rada has for sport for social change and some of the work she does for the Billie Jean King Foundation for example and the variety of projects she can now work on is amazing. For more information about Radha please look in the show notes and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. <laughs>